0: The following message is brought to you from Gathering Community Church, located in Surfside Beach, South Carolina. And now, here's Pastor Benji Simmons.
1: You ever thought about if you would have walked into the manger when Christ was born, what you would have experienced and felt? Now, keep in mind, we have the whole story. So we, we can drum up the emotions because of our anticipation and joy and excitement of what the scriptures have revealed to us about the Christ child. But put yourself in the shoes of those who have just the written word or spoken word. Many places only had, or many people only had spoken word of the scriptures and prophecy. And now the prophecy was being fulfilled before them. And as you step into that manger and there is Mary and Joseph and a newborn baby, would something happen within you that would cause you to be drawn to the power and the majesty of what God has just done? Would you recognize him as your king and your savior? Would you recognize him as the Lord of all? Would you recognize him as the one who's come to redeem your sin, my sin, all the sin of the world that would be eventually taken care of in the sin debt problem solved? Would you anticipate that as you step into that manger, that your knees would become weak and your mind would become steel, and you would lay down before the Christ child and worship him as your newborn king. So many scriptures in Old Testament point to the new. The prophecy that once was said and foretold is now being fulfilled. Isaiah is one of those prophets that constantly was pointing the people to hope pointing the people to new life, pointing them to beyond themselves to a new direction, to realize that there was help in the midst of their calamity, there was rescue in the midst of their sin, that there was life in the midst of their death. And Isaiah was one of those prophets that, yes, foretold some doom, but he also foretold some hope and joy and pointing the people's heart directive to God. And if each and every heart would turn to God, they would find the remedy for their problematic life and would find an answer to that. In Isaiah 64, 1 through 9, the message is entitled, God's Design and Our Destiny. And yet, you know, you've got to look at the fact that God has a plan bigger than what we can drum up in our own mindset, is beyond what we could ever imagine and we could ever try to manipulate in our life. God's plan is greater. His design is beyond uh, really human comprehension, and yet our destiny is in his hands. In Isaiah 64, 1 through 9, if only you were to tear the heavens open and come down so that the mountains would quake at your presence as fire kindles the brushwood and the fire causes water to boil to make your, no, make your name known to your enemies so that the nations will tremble at your presence. When you did awesome deeds that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains quaked at your presence. From ancient times, no one has heard, no one has listened, no eye has seen any God except you who acts on the behalf of the one who waits for him. You welcome the one who joyfully does what is right, they remember you in your ways, but you we have sinned and you were angry. We will remain in your ways and be saved. All of us have become like something unclean, and all our righteous acts are like polluted garment. All of us wither like a leaf, and our iniquities carry us away like the wind. So Isaiah is saying, God, you're powerful, you're majestic. You are God. You are on your throne, and we are in need of help. Our life cannot in any way invite us by our our acts to be in your presence. It is only by your righteousness, your holiness, your majesty, you being the king of our lives that allows us to enter into your courts. No one calls on your name striving to take hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and has made us melt because of our iniquity. Yet, Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are our potter. We are all, we all are the work of your hands. Lord, do not be terribly angry or remember our iniquity forever. Please look, all of us are your people. Now, you look at this passage of Isaiah and it is portraying the fact that you and I are helpless to save ourselves. We know that. Isaiah is the prophet in Isaiah 7 verse 14 that says you will be given a sign and that sign will be that the woman will give birth, the virgin will give birth to a child and his name is Emmanuel, God with us. In John chapter 1, verse 1, it says the Word became God. Later on in verse 10, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. In Luke and in Matthew, it also states that, that the baby Jesus, the Christ child, is God with us. So Isaiah is pointing the people to look beyond themselves and look to the majesty of God and what God is up to in their life for the rest of their life to look beyond themselves, to look beyond their sin and realize that they can't take care of it but God can and God's got this great plan and he's got it all mapped out and if every person would believe and come to trust in this design that God has put in place then they'll have the answer to their life. They'll have the answer to their sin problem because when they step into that manger they will realize that it is God for me. The sin of the world. Behold, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. You ever thought about Mary and Joseph? I I love this thought. We shared it in Sunday school. As they're sitting there, or just cuddling together as a little family, all of a sudden Joseph looks up and punches Mary and says, here they come, Mary. The whole world's coming to see our child everybody's being directed to this manger. We thought they were coming before a census, but we know that that was just God's way of orchestrating everyone to converge upon Bethlehem. Amazing, as they step in there and they look into that child's eyes and they see the eyes look back at him, and it's the eyes of God looking directly back at us. God's design and now our destiny. So let me talk to you about a heart matter. The heart matter is Christmas. As we think about what it takes for each of us as we prepare our own hearts uh, to, to what it takes for our hearts to be prepared as we enter into this Christmas season, and it happens every year. In 1939, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt and the First Lady prepared to receive the diplomat visit from King George and Queen Elizabeth of Great Britain. Every detail of the visit was meticulously planned, as it would be even today. And only the finest accommodations and the finest food and entertainment would be appropriate for this royal couple. But on the second night of the king's visit, Eleanor Roosevelt decided to break from protocol. She invited the king and the Queen to come to the Roosevelt's private cabin for a very informal dining experience with real American food. Well, the royal couple accepted the invitation, and at the cabin, they held a picnic with ham, turkey, baked beans and strawberries. Now, one item on the menu that really puzzled the king that he had never seen anything like it and never been fed by anyone else. Mrs. Roosevelt explained that it was her specialty and one thing that she knew how to really cook very well. And so now, let me ask you, what would be that strange American food that you could feed someone that they would have no idea what it is until they ate it. Well, they already already said they were feeding them baked beans. Hot dogs. 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 (laughs) So, here was the king and the queen enjoying the all-American hot dog at a very informal dining experience. This is the time of the year, of our season, when we prepare to welcome God of 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 creation into our hearts all over again as we think about the powerful message and story of Christmas. How shall we prepare for this momentous event? How shall our hearts be prepped for the receiving of the child? So how shall we prepare our hearts? Now I'm going to give you the answer. I'm going to ask a few questions and give you the answer right off the top. The first thing that has to happen and probably the most important thing is that you and I must increase our awareness of the majesty of God. Now, you've got to go back to that story. Now, we'll look at the story in Luke and Mark and John throughout the rest of the next several weeks. And we'll pull out the scriptures and what they say about the Christ child. But there must be an awareness of the majesty of God. The babe in the manger at Bethlehem will be best understood if we first appropriate and appreciate and place God in all his glory. In one of the most important chapters of Hebrew scripture... Isaiah the prophet says, oh, that you would rend the heavens, he says, and come down that the mountains would tremble before you. What if God really did today come down? Would the earth tremble? I'd say so. And if it didn't, we would. (laughs) Our God is an awesome God. And yet, as people walked into that manger, That's probably what they were saying to, awesome. This is one of the most awesome experiences I've ever had in my life. To walk into this place and feel the love of God and to feel that that there's something about my destiny hinges on the belief of what's in this manger. To realize that inside this this, uh, place where this child lays is in an invitation for me to place my trust and faith into this child as God of my life. Something must occur in our own hearts every Christmas to prepare ourselves, and it's the same as it was some 2,000 years ago, the same experience. So put yourself back into that manger and see. Mary and Joseph and the babe all by themselves surrounded by the the animals and the shepherds and all the other unexpected guests that are coming in one by one from all walks of the world. And realize it's not because of the crowd and it's not because of the beauty of Mary And it's not because of the handsomeness of Joseph. And it's not because it's just a little baby in in human flesh. It is God invading the presence of everyone who walks into that manger. And it's the awareness of the majesty of God. What a magnificent universe we live in. Just look to the sky. Perhaps it's no accident that wise men were said to be astrologers who followed the stars. Who can help but be awestruck of looking into the heavens and seeing the galaxy of stars and and lights? Writer Richard Hammer tells of the wonder he felt when he aimed a telescope toward the Orion galaxy, which is mentioned in the book of Job, in Job 38, verse 31. Hammer located Nebula, Nebula is the immense glowing cloud of hydrogen gas that illuminates by the same process that ignites a fluorescent bulb. William Herschel, the great 18th century English astronomer, said that he had been so amazed at the sight of the galaxy that it became his lifelong pursuit and it was because of Richard Hammer's work next located Bernard's star in another distant gallery. This faint red dwarf star is the second closest star to our solar system. And yet the fastest spacecraft, it would take 60,000 years to reach it. Now, if you were shipwrecked, blasted off and landed at the foot of Moses in that part of the world, And you were there receiving the Ten Commandments with Moses. That means the journey just began to get to that star. Finally, he pointed the telescope to another galaxy. The significance of this galaxy dwarfed everything else, seeing as much as 200 million suns lying 2 million light years in the Milky Way galaxy. That's 13 million. Quint million. Is that how you say it? Quint million? The fastest spacecraft would take 150 billion years to reach it. So look to the heavens. That's the point of the story. Look to the heavens and notice what God has created. And if God has created all of this universe, then surely he can take the sin problem in your life and mine and bring about a remedy they bring about a new destiny. They bring about a new life and a new light because he is an awesome God and the majesty of God is powerful. Yes. But as you think about Isaiah and you think about all the things that he is challenging us in our own sinful life to realize that we can't take care of our own life without knowing this Christ child. The commonplace today's world is to reduce God to the the man upstairs, which I do not like that phrase. I can tell you from the beginning. Reflect for a few moments on the scope and the majesty of that creation, and you will very quickly see how absurd and inadequate that description of the man upstairs really is. Our God is an awesome God, and to appreciate the coming of that Bethlehem babe you have to appreciate the scope and the majesty of God as the creator. So we must increase our awareness of the majesty of God. Why did God enter the world? Now we understand what we can do to prepare it. So the, the question is, why did God enter the world? And again, I'll give you the answer off the top. It's because of our sin. It's because of your sin and mine. It's because of those of the past and those of the present. And that sin, sin itself is given the necessary work that has to be in place so that you and I can be freed from the penalty of our sin. Isaiah writes, but we continue to sin. How then can we be saved? Isaiah questions. All of us have become like one who is unclean and all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags, he says. We're all shriveled up like a leaf. Like the wind, our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you for you have hidden your face from us and made us waste away because of our sins. But guess what? He revealed his face in the form of a child. He hid his face because of the sin of the world but he brought the world to the babe and we look into the eyes of that child and we see the face of God looking back at us. Why? Because that became the answer of what Isaiah asked. What can we do? How can we be saved? Walk into the manger, look into that Christ child, and believe He's your Savior. That's the answer. That's why God entered this world. God confronted the human dilemma. Either wipe out the slate clean and start again, which He did in the time of Noah, or to take a different approach to the flawed hearts of humanity, yours and mine. God confronted that same dilemma how to root out fear and jealousy, hatred, bigotry, and all the evil that that exists inside the human heart. But all of humanity, he realized he needed to do something without ripping and robbing humanity of its freedom. Now God could have been like the I dream of Jeannie Lady <laughs> and blinked and made us all boom appear. But would have had no freedom and no choice. But no, he gives us the choice and he gives us the pathway and he lights the path with the greatest of stars and he brings a couple to the central part of the world and he invites everyone to walk into that manger and experience the presence of who God is in a child God in flesh so how did God bring hope to the world he did it according to Isaiah according to Micah Ezekiel Job Jonah we can go on and on through the prophetic utterances even through the story of Abraham Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. How did he bring hope to the world? He did it with the babe of Bethlehem. Simple. Such a non-threatening little package, isn't it? You know, when Dawson was born, we held him. You know, and, and when Presley was born, we held her. Tucker's now still so tiny, and we're holding him. And they can't do anything but coo, eat, sleep, and the other thing. <laughs> and they're totally helpless laying in your hands. If you drop them, they can't stop it. If they get hurt, they really can't tell you other than cry. And they're totally innocent. No sin they're not thinking, that ugly guy, I'm gonna knock him side of the head, you know. <laughs> they're, just, they're just there, soaking in all that we're teaching them. And here was the innocence of a child, non threatening package wrapped in flesh, laying in a manger. And everyone has an opportunity to kind of unwrap the little wrapping and discover for themselves who Jesus is. And understanding that God has provided an overwhelmingness with his power and his majesty, the remedy for the sin of the world. God entered our world in the helpless babe lying in a stable. And God showed us a better way, a way of love, a way of gentleness, a way of kindness, a way of compassion, And God says to all of us, this is what I created you for. This is what life is all about. Unwrap all that's within you and let Christ enter in. Isaiah concludes this chapter in Isaiah 64. He says, yet, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. He realizes that That God's not finished with these Israelites. He's not finished with the world. He's not finished with you. He's not finished with me because He's the potter, we're the clay, and we are His workmanship. And when we stand into the midst of that manger scene, we recognize that masterpiece is being formed within us through our faith and our belief and our trust and our awesomeness, our allness of who God is. That's the good news of that babe it reminds us the broken vessels who walk in God can remold it he can remake it and put it all together yes a story circulated on the internet a story that communicates the kind of life the babe in the manger calls us to it's a story of a small white envelope stuck in the branches of a family tree It began with a man by the name of Mike. He hated Christmas at one point in his life. Not the the true meaning of Christmas now. I'm talking about the commercialism that he hated. But the commercial aspects, the frantic running, the blatant uh, materialism, all that. He just, he never, never liked it. And he saw it as the enemy of what Christmas really is. And knowing Christmas, He felt this way. His wife, we'll call her Ann, decided one year to bypass the usual sweaters and ties and socks and underclothes that wives so often get husbands. She searched for something special just for Mike. And she racked her brain she racked her brain. The inspiration of Mike's gift came in an unusual way. Their 12-year-old son, Kevin, was wrestling in... Uh, an event at school, and shortly before Christmas, there was a non-league match between their team with an inner-city church team, mostly (coughs) African-American. These youngsters dressed in sneakers so ragged that shoestrings seemed to be the only thing holding the shoes together. You could tell they were coming from poverty situation. And Kevin's team, their son, 12-year-old son's team, had these spiffy blue gold uniforms and yet sparkling new wrestling shoes. As the match began, Ann was alarmed to see that the other team was wrestling without any headgear. It was a luxury that the ragtag team obviously could not afford. Kevin's team... Thoroughly defeated the inner city team without a hesitation. Mike shook his head at the end of all the matches. And he says, you know, I wish one of them would at least won. They had a lot of potential, but losing like this could take the heart right right out of every one of them. Mike loved the kids. He loved all kids. And he knew them having coached several sports he had entered locked with a lot of those children and families. And that's when the idea came. That afternoon, Ann went to the local sporting goods store and she bought the assortment of wrestling gear or wrestling gear, whichever part of the country, and shoes and sent them anonymously to the inner city church wrestling team. On Christmas Eve, Ann placed an envelope on the tree and the note inside telling Mike what she had done in his honor. His smile was the brightest thing about Christmas. And year after year, in the succeeding years, it became a powerful family tradition. Each Christmas, she followed the same tradition, and yet the children, even after opening all their gifts, were now anticipating the opening of the envelope. The envelope became the highlight of all the Christmases. Well, one year, they lost Mike to cancer. When Christmas rolled around, Anne was so wrapped in grief that she barely even got up the Christmas tree. But Christmas Eve found her placing an envelope on the tree. And yet, it was joined by three more. You see, each of their children had done the same had placed an envelope in the tree for their dad. The tradition has grown and someday will expand even further to the grandchildren standing around the tree with such wide-eyed anticipation, watching their fathers take an envelope out of the tree, just like Mike's spirit, like the Christmas spirit, will always be with them. And that's it, isn't it? That's the reason behind Yet Christmas. The God of all creation came into this world as a tiny babe and showed us a better way. And so what is the reason behind Christmas? It is the way of peace, love, and joy. Realizing that as every person who stood there in that manger experience realized that nothing else in their life mattered but to look into the awesomeness of this child. There was such a peace and serenity that joy was created within them because of the love that hit them in their heart. The reason behind Christmas today is not the tree. Beautiful. Beautiful. Poinsettias, D. Thank you. And all the colors. We know these are just... uh, Additive benefits. So we know it's not these things. And if you didn't have any of this in the sanctuary, it's still not going to change the fact of what Christmas is. It's not the gifts, although we love shaking them and we love filling them or maybe opening them a little bit when no one else is looking and peek in there and tape it back, not getting anybody any ideas. I haven't ever done that. Oops. And to realize that all those things are just the fun activities around it. The real reason is what God gave us that cannot be wrapped and cannot be molded, manipulated, found on a shelf, or bought on Amazon. It is peace, love, and joy. That's what Christmas is all about. Aren't you tired of the meaningless and littleness? that so often goes with being a human being. (laughs) Open your heart this Advent season to the real meaning of Christmas. Open your heart to this Advent season and to the real meaning of Christmas and let Christ dwell in your heart. When it happens, then you will experience Christmas, the true meaning and the real meaning of Christmas. Thanks be unto God for the gift of the child. And thanks be unto God for the invitation to go visit that child. And thanks be unto God for that invitation and visit changes us and our destiny for the rest of our life. Father, we thank you that you grant to us a, a vivid picture this morning of that Christ child to realize that why you gave your son why you birthed your son into this world and all that that, that remains through the lifetime is through Jesus is the recognition of your plan, your purpose, your design and it's for our own destiny we thank you for not only eternal life but abundant life that we experience today in Jesus thank you Father for loving us, caring for us and, and moving us into the welcomed experience of your majesty and your awesomeness in your name that we pray, amen. My friend, we're gonna have a, a song of affirmation this morning and, you know, it's a song of, of commitment as well. Uh, the, potter's, the potter's hand, realizing the fact that, that you know, if you, ever get, if you ever get to the point, like I've done many times and say, God can't change this in me. <laughs> he's, it's just impossible for this to be different in my life or it's impossible for me to, to figure, figure this out. Then go back to that beautiful prophecy of Isaiah that, that he's the potter and we're the clay. And In our brokenness, God can take that brokenness, mold us back together put us and form us into the vessel that he can use. We may always have the scar, you know. We may always have the indention and the, potter, the pottery. But we realize that, that God can use the brokenness of who we are and make something beautiful out of it. So Jesus is about, come to me and watch the beauty come out of you. So let's let this be a song of affirmation and a song of commitment. Uh, the potter's hand. Mm-hmm.
0: You've been listening to The Worship Cast, brought to you from Gathering Community Church, located in Surfside Beach, South Carolina. For more information about our church and its ministries, please go to www.gatheringcommunitychurch.com.